Welcome to Boom Talk Studios in the heart of a lot less smoky and a lot cleaner air, Eugene, Oregon, deep in the Willamette Valley. Episode 16, Season 1, Fox Trotting in a Foxhole. I'm your faithful host, Ken Harlan. As always, we thank the folks at www.purpleplanet.com for the wonderful theme song. If you have any comments, feedback, or questions that you want me to put on the show, ftinfx at gmail.com. Well, you know, not to sound like a broken record, but every week, assembling what's going, you know, the content that's going to be featured in the show, and scrambling because things just happen off the wire. I mean, and this has been a crazy day as far as that goes. Uh, I was going to do this about an hour or two ago, but I just kept on looking at the wire and going, well, I need to talk about this as well. And so, yeah, see, you can hear my tablet going on in the background. We just found out something else that just went down. This Billy Donovan takes the bull's job. So, yeah, it's just a crazy day with so many things going off. So, anyhow, we don't want to, like, waste too much time here talking about show prep let's get into our usual and as we've been doing in recent weeks we start off with the forty-three thousand foot view above campus a lot going on today just uh prior to coming to air it was announced that notre dame and white forest will be postponed after 13 irish players tested positive for COVID. although i'm seeing now that it may be seven i'm not sure 13 or seven point being is that these teams playing these games and then, you know, saw this with Memphis. We've seen this with some other schools that, I don't know, the contact between the, the teams, whether they're going out and socializing as college students of that age tend to do. And we're, we're always seeing an alarming number of positive cases. And I don't care what Coach O says in LSU about everyone on his team has had it at one time or another. That's still something you probably don't want to hang your hat on. It probably tells you how dangerous this is to attempt playing football, right? The dam has been broken. We're moving forward. Games are happening. We get that. But as you can see with the Notre Dame, which you know, the last two weeks, the week before, they had students in the, in the audience at uh, South Bend. Yeah, right now they're, they're canceling a game. It's one of these things that, as and Alec and I talked about this a few weeks back, and I've you know brought it up every week since. It's a problem. It's a major, 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 major problem. Um, I get it, you know, and because everybody's going to move, we're going to move forward with this. This is the reality, but it makes you wonder, as many have asked, you know, are we going to be able to complete a season? Is this going to impact a bowl game? A lot of things, you know, to keep an eye on as we move forward with college football in the age of COVID-19. You know, speaking of, it brings me up to, you know, we talked about this last week, and we pretty much have talked about this every week since the Big Ten Conference decided to walk away. Well, the, the, <laughs> I talked about this a little bit last week, and I guess I just have to, like, revisit it again. But all the back, you know, slapping and high fives and you know, elbow pumps for them playing football 
you know, especially given the indignation. Now, granted, the players and the parents, you know, were pretty steadfast that they wanted to play all along. And, you know, they're getting their wish. But is this going to be a case, as I just talked about with Notre Dame, be careful what you wish for? Uh, there's still another month before they're, they start to play. Uh, maybe more as they, as the, 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 what's the tagline? Oh, we follow the science and the data. Well, what's the science and data going to tell you if, if we get widespread COVID outbreaks in this next 30-day window? Does that mean they push it back in November? Probably not. But it just be careful what you wish for us. For us, all you people doing the Cabbage Patch dance regarding the Big Ten. Even their commissioner who said, well, the decision won't be reversed. Even him walking around with his chest up. I thought it was pretty shameless, actually. Um, I understand, as we've talked about as well many times, you know, Michigan was talking about you know 60 to $80 million shortfall. Michigan, I mean, Wisconsin, what was it? Uh, yeah, but let's see. Wisconsin was 75 to 100, Michigan 60 to 80. You talk about those kind of numbers. Yeah, you know, the push to get on the field and, and make those dollars or at least salvage something. Yeah, I, I get, you know, the why the priority is there. Uh, people's livelihoods, cities, all these things, as we've talked about many times in previous episodes. So, anyway, this will be interesting, which brings me to the perfect segue and to our friends in the Pacific 12 Conference. As I said last week, uh, erroneously, what, that they were going to, they determined that they were going to play football at the same time as the Big Ten. Well, that decision hasn't happened yet. It's going to happen because they're not going to be the only one that misses out on the big payday. And that's the reason why the Big Ten is playing. That's why the other three Power Five conferences are engaging in executing a season. The Pac-12 is kind of funny, though, because you know they were formed Wednesday by officials in California and Oregon, but no such restrictions were in place at the state level which was an important uh, step as far as getting back on the field. Well, hello. Of course, you know, they're going to say that, given the lack of revenue that these programs bring into the various states. Even California, as people are always touting their sixth independent country in the world, can definitely, you know, with, S with the power that SC brings, you know, even Stanford and Cal, even though they're not as attended, and Eucala, it's still college football, does put fannies in the seats and dollars are exchanged. So, of course, they're not going to get in the way and let's not kid ourselves with the TV money. But apparently, you know, the league is still in discussions for a return at the same time as the Big Ten. But, of course, can't go a week without getting a little egg on your face if you're the legendary Larry Scott. Or I should say the beleaguered, the beleaguered Larry Scott. On Monday, John Wilmer of the San Jose Mercury News reported that around a month before the conference furloughed 79 and laid off 15 employees, it paid out millions in bonuses ahead of the typical time of you know the year that these bonuses were paid out for network employees and you know on schedule for conference employees. So you know, translation, you know, the big dogs took care of themselves while letting, you know, the rank-and-file people who work for the conference basically bear the brunt of it and are now out of work until football comes 
kind of a sad look. You know, we got the story of them staying in posh hotels and things like that over the years. You gotta wonder how much longer are the university presidents gonna put up with Larry Scott? I mean, he just can't seem to keep his feet out of the doggy do. And it's just, you know, I mean, a bad look from a PR perspective, no matter where you turn, you know, sorry. It's, it just, and kicking yourself down and notice that, you know, he didn't take a pay cut, uh, right? It's right, he got, he grabbed this bonus. Not a good look at a time when people are struggling to pay their mortgages, food on the table, college tuition, preschool, private school, soccer lessons, whatever the case may be as far as the people who work for the conference. Bad look, and I'm sure, as they say, you got some splaining to do, Larry. Not good at all. So what does this all mean, really, for, for the college football playoff now that we're going to have all five conferences vying for it? Well, as I just brought up in the, in the previous uh, topics about, the, about campus with, with COVID, if you can get past COVID not affecting this and obviously maybe get these people in a bubble somehow, it could be intriguing. Maybe, you know, with the lack of uh, preparation in these things, as far as, you know, even though I feel that eight to 10 games, whatever these schools can squeeze in will be enough time, but something tells me we might have a surprise. Now, like I said, this all is, can you know, dependent on COVID not wreaking havoc during throughout, you know, the season between now, January or February, whenever they decide to you know, hold the, the playoff. But, you know, as I said last week, and I'm reiterating it again, that, you know, they, <coughs> the, the powers that be in the Pac-12 and the Big Ten are watching the other three Power Five conferences and thinking that they're going to get to split the lion's share, especially after the network said we're going to pay in full. The lust took them over. It's quite understandable. And I think that it'll be a better college football playoff if we have a chance to see the Ohio States, Oregon's, possibly SC, you know, Michigan, if they can get their act together. So, yeah, I, I think it's a win-win for the college football fan and obviously for the institutions. Obviously, we can't get past our apprehension about what COVID is going to do because it's looming in the background. Coronavirus isn't going anywhere. And as we see with Notre Dame and all these other schools that I'll talk about here in a brief second, yeah, there's a problem. So let's, 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 let's talk about what's going on 43,000 feet above campus besides the stuff we just talked about. We know that Florida State coach Mike Norvell tested positive for COVID, and is currently in isolation. Once again, coaches, players, uh, UNC, Charlotte, I mean, UNC, you know, University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, excuse me, and their game at Charlotte was postponed this past weekend, as was BYU and Army. Why? Well, you know why. And this week, Memphis and its game against UT San Antonio for 925 is also canceled due to COVID concerns. Missouri is down 12 players for its 926 opener against Alabama. 
However, six of those tests apparently came back as false positives, so these guys may be able to play. That's still, I think six or seven players are still in isolation as far as you know their positive tests for COVID. And so, after having two games postponed over COVID concerns, Baylor is hoping to play its opener this week against Kansas. Notice that, hoping. Yeah, you know, it just keeps Con coming back to, to, to these games that keep moving, getting pushed back, canceled, or postponed. That, you know, is, are we going to see a, a decrease as we've seen in the other sports? Or are they going to be able to get this under control? We talked about it last week with the Big Ten, Pac-12, and probably other conferences as well, have, getting access to the rapid testing machines, which means they can test the student-athletes on a daily basis. And I'm sure that some of these other schools have access to that as well. Point being is we're still seeing teams get tripped up by this. And, of course, then you have the situation out in Colorado where their director of football operations, Brian McGinnis, was issued a, a, a ticket, I guess, by the uh, Boulder Police, I believe it is, for taking his, you know, taking 100 players on a hike on a Colorado mountain trail, you know, one of those bonding you know, exercises that teams do, you know, to get the camaraderie and build, you know... All friendship, you know, all that BS that people do as far as bonding exercises, that yes, it brings the team together. And maybe it does, and maybe I'm just being too cynical. I don't know. But McGinnis was issued a ticket because obviously having 100 people violates the standards that the state of Colorado, city of Boulder have as far as large gatherings. That that was quite interesting. So as far as players go... Well, we talked a few weeks ago about Minnesota standout wide receiver Rashad Bateman opting out. Well, he's opting back in now that the Big Ten has decided to play. And then at the same time, Texas A&M linebacker Anthony Hines is opting out. So kind of a revolving door. Some people are want back in. Others are just saying, you know what, I just want to focus on the 2021 draft. Can see both sides and emphasize with you know, whatever decisions these young uh, men are having to face, whether to play or not to play. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. I'm sure we'll be hearing more about that you know, as far as this revolving door as we get closer to, you know, meaningful games and especially some of these Power 5 conferences that are actually getting ready to go online. I also can tell you that the SEC players... This is a positive. There's got to be some positive stuff every now and then, right? But SEC players will be outfitted with the same device used by the NFL for the purpose of assisting contract testing efforts. Way to go. Definitely need to get as much data out there so we can get behind this as quickly as we can, get back to actually having crowds and all the other stuff that I always talk about at the end of these episodes. Yeah. So what happened on the field this week? And we'll just give a quick week three roundup. Well, the, the aforementioned Notre Dame and Clemson rolled in blowouts. I mean, just ridiculous. You know, body bag games, as I've, uh, I've mentioned in the past. 
you know, I don't know what it serves other than to give some of these smaller schools a payday because you're really not getting fine-tuned. You're getting some reps in, but I don't know how rolling over some of these, um, you know, weaker schools helps you for the big games that you have later. Call me crazy, but that's just me. Let's see, what else do we have here? So Oklahoma State won, ranked Oklahoma State won its in-state battle with Tulsa. Miami beat Louisville in, in the only matchup of ranked teams. Marshall upset number 23 Appalachian State. And ninth, in the 19th rank, Raging Cajuns. My favorite story right now, as far as them being ranked, they kept it going with a narrow victory over Georgia State. And the number 25 Pittsburgh Panthers took it to the Cuse as the Cuse gets whacked for the second week. Not sure what's going on with that once proud program. Kind of a lot of bad years for them. And we also can report away from the gridiron as we get closer to college basketball. You know how college basketball always has, you know, in November and December, all these crazy tournaments all over the place, Alaska, you know, on a like aircraft carrier, you know, in New York Harbor, you know, all kinds of places, Puerto Rico, Hawaii. Anyhow, this year they're going to move all of these non-conference events to the Orlando biz bubble in Disney. Gee, what a concept! Trying to get ahead of something so we can avoid spreading COVID and having the season shut down. But ESPN, obviously protecting its financial interest in college basketball, is doing its part to make sure that we have a season and that things are that when we get into conference play, it doesn't get shut down by a lot of COVID cases from these teams playing in these tournaments and these exotic and not so exotic places. All right, well, that was quite a segment. We will be back here shortly with the next segment. Welcome back. So, you know, this is episode 16, which means we've reached the halfway point of season one. For some reason, we're going to have 32 episodes in the first season and probably 32 episodes in every season. Since it's not TV, it's not 39. We like going with an even number. And this has been fun for, you know, I've been doing this now for 16 weeks, which is, you know, a couple of months. I mean, four months, basically, or close to it. Yeah, um, definitely trying to get better at this, no doubt. Um, we appreciate the folks who tune in and listen every week. Some that provide feedback, I really appreciate it. I know the audience is, is, is relatively small, but the fact that folks are tuning in makes me happy. I'm always open for feedback. Topics that I should bring up. Guests that uh, should come on. If you feel like you got something you want to wrap about, we're always open to that. Anyhow, I'm just kind of sitting here, you know, I've got a couple of monitors in the background just right, watching just in case some news jumps off the wire that we have to talk about. So our material stays fresh. I'm sitting up here looking and one of my monitors I see our commander in chief. You know who he is. I don't have to mention his name. 
and just kind of watching him, you know, right? Because we don't get political here, but I still think it's hilarious that he takes credit for the Big Ten returning to football, that, that he made it happen, it, 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 right? It makes me laugh so hard, I, I, I can't, I don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> yeah, that, that was worth one of those as far as hitting, hitting the, the comedy track. But yes, the fact that he's taking um, t taking a lap and giving himself a high five, leave it to that guy. You know, when obviously the it had nothing to do with him. It was all about getting paid. Anyway, let's move on to what's up in the world of sport, in the rest of the world of sports, before we get down and dirty with our usual drill downs on COVID, NFL, MLB, yeah, right, you know, the NBA, obviously. So, we know, the state, we know that when we were last uh, on the air, that the Tampa Bay Lightning and New York Islanders series was still in limbo. Well, Tampa Bay took care of New York in six and killed everybody's dream as far as reviving the 70s. Sorry, Brian Tatier and Mike Bossy. Those ghosts are going to remain in the Raptors in the Nassau Coliseum. Whew, well... So the Stanley Cup playoff, play, uh, I mean, the Stanley Cup final, excuse me, obviously a little too much caffeine. So Tampa Bay and the Dallas Stars have split the first two games with Tampa Bay evening the series last night. As Brazilian as Dallas was, they fell behind 3-0, put together a pretty frantic rally, but still ended up short 3-2. So that, the Stanley Cup is not at one. So... We go to the world of golf, and as I talked about last week, we had our second major of the year. And it was the U.S. Open at Wingfoot, and of course, bringing more doubt as opposed to, to I mean, bringing more doubt when it comes to will he catch Jack Nicholas? Well, Tiger shot a 77 on the second day, which put him, I believe, 10 over, and he missed the cut in the, in the U.S. Open. Really hasn't had a lot of success when the tour, when when the uh, major has been at this particular course. Very difficult course. And speaking of, nobody finished under par except for Mr. Muscles, that heavy hitter Brian DeChambeau, who won the U.S. Open as the only player to finish under par. I believe he was six, seven under par, which is pretty impressive. You know, given how tough that course is and the, and the rest of the field. Well, you know, <laughs> their numbers weren't as good. And he's already talking about putting on more muscle because he's getting ready for the third and final major of the year, which is going to be at Augusta. And as we've talked about, Augusta in the fall is going to be really amazing. And he's just, you know, and as uh, Tony Kay and Mike Wilmon were pointing out, I was watching that before I started uh, recording this. I mean, the guy hit so long, he'll just hit over the trees. And the way he putted at wing foot, yeah, he might be able to put a second major in his uh, trophy case. You know how it seems with this generation of of star golfers, they get on a hot streak, right? Jordan Spieth at one point, Brooks Kepka, Rory Boy. They win a couple of majors, then they have that moment when they're on the precipice of becoming the next great, and then on, all hell breaks loose. And then, you know, they disappear. I mean, what was the last time we were talking about Jordan Spieth? When, for a minute there, we were calling him the assassin. And then, you know, obviously, Brooks Kepka, Like, wow, the guy's built like a linebacker. 
always in the always in the thick of things. I know he's been dealing with some injuries, but the point being is that it just seems that in the last decade or so, with this crop of really good golfers, they seem to like be put together a, a nice string of of play in the in, in majors, and then I don't know with the pressure, ladies, who knows, but something definitely gets in their head and. Tiger does the next Tiger doesn't appear on our TV screens. Other than we just see a lot of good golf and a lot, you know, some really competitive as far as having many high caliber players. I mean, I don't know, probably I think in any era right now we've got you know, and that's not to take away from the seventies, eighties, and even going back to Ben Hogan's days. But we really, it really seems like we really do have a lot of talented golfers that, you know, come to these majors. Good stuff. All right. So let's talk about the beautiful game. You know me. I've always got to get my beautiful game in. People are like, why are you always talking about football proper or soccer? Well, it is only the biggest game in the world. And I know that some of my people who tune into this appreciate that I give them a little lowdown as far as covering what's going on in Europe and Obviously, the MLS, just as somebody pointed out, hey, man, you really need to start giving, you know, Liga MX and some of the competitions in Latin America some love. I'm like, hey, once I get some knowledge about that, it'll happen. But I'm not quite there yet. So what's going on in the world of football proper? Well, you know, wasn't I telling you that, you know, the biter, Mr. Luis Serez, wasn't I telling you that he was going to Juventus recently? Well, somehow he had a problem with his citizenship, so that move got nixed. Hey, I thought I, I thought that was a fact. And the next thing you know, he's going was going to Atletico Madrid. Well, the folks in Barcelona are, don't like that and are blocking it. And apparently, Luis is very furious right now that he cannot do a transfer to Atletico Madrid, which I'm sure Diego Simeone isn't happy either, as you know how colorful he is and probably has plenty of things to say about that, even though since he doesn't speak English, <laughs> you don't know, because I don't speak Spanish, love to know what his thoughts were. Yeah, we'll be keeping an eye on that because it's, it's just, wherever he lands, because there was talk about him going to Inter-Miami, and we'll get to them when we talk about the MLS, but, you know, he would have been the highest played player in MLS history, but he turned that down. May not have been the smartest thing, given that he wants out of Barcelona so bad, but it's like, it's not happening. He's a guy in limbo. Speaking of also in limbo, we know that my man, Mr. Sitter himself, Edison Cavani, El Matador, of PSG fame, well, he's still looking for his next club, and... Every week, it's something different. He was linked with Atletico Madrid. He was linked with Chelsea. And this week, supposedly, Real Madrid is interested. But, of course, Real's also talking about somehow they're going to get Kylian Mbappe from PSG. Well, good luck with that. But seeing they'll still have another year on his contract, it's like $300 million for, for Kylian or forget it, people. But I know that these tabloids in Europe they gotta like sell. They gotta sell papers and get clicks. So they're always putting this nonsense out there. That's just what they do. Yeah, we we quite get it. And also, last week going to Tottenham on a one-year loan, 
is the mercurial <laughs> uh, Garth Bell. Uh, you know, it's kind of been really interesting to see where he would land. And I think uh, uh, being with the Spurs and getting with Harry Kane and uh, the, the rest of those ballers from the Spurs, I think that that could be a good thing. Although, apparently, with Bell going to the Spurs, that it puts Dele Alley's future in question with the club. I mean, I'm hearing that they're trying to send him to PSG for a one-year loan, but we'll see how that goes. That would mean PSG would probably have to finally move on from Julian Draxler, which for some of us who like the uh, Red and Blues, that might not be a bad thing. So speaking of the Red and Blues, let's talk about what happened in Europe over the weekend. Well, PSG, as I've talked about, which has had some serious COVID issues, now they're starting to get their players back. You know, we also have to deal with the suspensions, you know, that occurred from that debacle with Marseille. But the season really looked bad. They almost were in the regulation zone before they were 10 men down after a stupid penalty. But with 10 men down, they were able to scratch out a win which was very key, you know, against, you know, the, those world beaters Mets. <laughs> and then with Kylian Mbappe back, you know, had a convincing 3-0 win at 4 a.m. our time on Sunday, in which I didn't wake up in time. It was probably the first PSG match I've missed in, you know, four or five years. But it's like, come on, people. I know you, you do this every now and then for the fans in China once or twice a year. But these 4 a.m. games... Yeah, I mean, I can get up for the PL sometimes when it's on at that hour. That's just because I woke up. But, you know, I went out and was socializing with people. So, <laughs> conversely, I was not able to see my red and blues put on an impressive performance. Now it seems like the ship is sailing in the right direction. The bear has been, the bear has been kicked. If you're, if you're the rest of the teams in League One, I would look out. <laughs> in the EPL... Crystal Palace shocks Manchester United. I'm sure Rebecca Lowe, you know, Lady Lowe of NBS, NBCSN and Peacock fame. We know that she's a huge Crystal Palace supporter. I'm sure she busted out a cocktail under the table and danced on the table over that one. You know that Liverpool blanked 10-man Chelsea. Arsenal beat West, West Ham United. And Man City dispatched the Wolver, Wolverhampton Wolves. And Syria, which which kicked its season off, Juventus beat Sampdoria with Kristen Ronaldo getting a goal. Nice to see CR7 showing that even in his advanced age, he still got it. We see that Napoli beat Parma, and my man, the legendary man, I'm always going to get my PSG plugs in here, the man who made PSG in his mind what it is today, Salatan Ibrahimovic. For just late of the LXE Galaxy, <laughs> Galaxy, he scored two goals in AC Milan's win on yesterday, actually. I mean, God, Zlatan's got to be, what, 38, 39 years old. Amazing to see him still play at a high level. More props to him. You know, love him, hate him, whatever. you got to give the man his due. Yes, no World Cup love or Champions League love, but he's been successful at everything else. You know, more power to you, Zlatan. Keep it going. In La Liga, Real Madrid and then uh, Real Sociedad played to a scoreless draw. In the in the uh, Bundesliga, Bayern coming off of its Champions League success 
Sure, they have they have not skipped a beat. Crushing Shocking 0480. I mean, I'm telling you, aside from the, the tough match they had with PSG, they have just been steamrolling people this summer into the fall. Wouldn't be surprised if they have the juice to go back to back in Champions League. And they're obviously going to win the Bundesliga. And I just, yeah, there's nobody going to touch them right now. They're a very impressive club. No doubt. Alrighty, so that's what's going on in Europe. So let's go to the domestic league, better known as the MLS. And you got to give it up for the folks at FC Dallas, right? I mean, they're quietly making a move, and we'll just give them some quick props here. As they had a very successful week, first taking care of Colorado, which is not necessarily that big of a accomplishment, even though Colorado is Colorado, but beating West leader Sporting Kansas City on Saturday. Portland and San Jose also met twice, and San Jose, really being kind of an embarrassment, managed to get a draw one in the first part of the week, and then what was it, like 7-1? I mean, just disgraceful. I mean, this is... Uh, Portland Timbers team that's missing Blanco and got a couple other guys nicked up. Not sure what Almadea and company and San Jose got going on there, but they have some very embarrassing, if not disturbing, performances of late. I know that as bad as LAFC's been playing, they even might put up five goals on San Jose. Not necessarily looking good for them. And speaking of my boys, the black and gold, the Los Angeles Football Club, well, they had another stumble, hooked up with Seattle, and got their butts kicked. It's very disturbing. I know Carlos Velo is not there, but you have Otto Westa back, and they just are not in good form. In fact, right now, the playoffs were to start today, they'd be on the outside looking in. Now, granted, the difference between 9 and 1 is probably, what, 4 or 5 points, or maybe 6 at the most, so everybody's really bunched up. And this restart, and there's plenty of time for LAFC to get their act together. Although it's pretty disturbing, and its spoiled fan base, which I'm a part of, is really coming unglued. I mean, Bob Bradley, the one of the deans of U.S. soccer, along with Bruce Arena, people are calling for his head, calling him everything but a legendary soccer coach all of a sudden. Not a good scene as far as LAFC's current form is concerned. Enter uh, Miami, you know the Dar David Beckham's darlings. Well, they made news this week with their with their signing of Juventus man and many other many other stops along the way. Mister uh, Mr. Hagwin uh, with Matuidi. I mean, I keep an eye on what's going on with Beckham. He's definitely. His club is allowing these guys that are in Europe, yeah, they might be a little bit past their prime, but still pretty good for MLS. Great as far as drawing in the fans on TV and when we eventually get fans back on the stands. Enter Miami. Could, uh, how shall I say? As far as the five stripes, also known as Atlanta United, Enter Miami continued, you know, the pain that this team is suffering, you know, obviously now with Pity Martinez gone and Joseph Martinez obviously still rehabbing. Yeah, I mean, the five stripes are not going to make the playoffs. And as we say every week, everyone makes the playoffs. Really shocking. But at the same time, I don't want to take away from 
what Beckham's boys in Miami are doing in their first year. I mean, look, I don't know if it's going to gel in time for them to make some noise this year, but in the years to come, they're definitely going to be a force. They're putting together quite a squad over there. Columbus Crew still look good in terms of kicking uh, what was it, Nashville City so on Saturday. Orlando City still showing good form that they had in the MLS's back tournament as they run at Chicago. And I might, I'd be remiss to say this, I just could shout out Colorado, but Colorado did shut out the LA Galaxy, which after being world beaters, now with a draw and this loss, have somehow tumbled back to earth. And gee, Chicharito came back. Is it a coincidence? Who knows? All right, well, that's what's going on in the beautiful game. Uh, on the track, we saw that Kevin Harvick outdueled Kyle Busch on Saturday at Bristol in front of 30,000 fans. Now, Bristol's huge, but still, 30,000 fans. I don't know. <laughs> Given the NASCAR thing, but hey, they're moving forward with it. We'll see what happens as far as if any positive cases come out of that. And speaking of NASCAR, we got the news that's got the world, especially the woke sports world, spinning on its ear. We've got Michael Jordan forming a partnership with Cup driver Jenny Hamlin and having Bubba Wallace as their driver for the 2021 season. And we know Jordan, everything he touches, brains money, like we're at the club. And people are like going, well, why is he doing this? Well, he is from the South, and as he said, his daddy, you know, used to take, take his family to, to races. And he says he's always been a NASCAR fan. And, you know, obviously his North Carolina Tar Heel teammate, Brad Doherty, you know, have, you know having ownership in a club, not a club, but in a, a cup team, you know, for, gee whiz, maybe decade, decade and a half. It's been a while. Uh, you know, whispering to his ear. I think it's a good thing, you know, as, as far as NASCAR Getting Jordan involved, obviously, you'll probably, I'm guessing, Bubba will drop a number 23 with a jump man on the hood or something like that, but he'll sell a lot of gear. Maybe get some fans that otherwise wouldn't be watching NASCAR to chime in and watch. Who knows? It's a, I, I think it's a good thing. Jordan's been putting this money where his mouth is after years, and people saying, well, what are you doing? He's, I think he's always been doing it, but always behind the scenes, but definitely... Since this COVID crisis and, you know, the crusade for social justice, Jordan's been out at the forefront, quietly behind the scenes, but he's definitely putting his money where his mouth is or where his heart and brains are, depending on how you look at it. I think it's a good thing, especially as far as the world goes. What else do we have? I'll well, take one more stab here before we get to the questions. Well, you know, when I'm always talking about my boys, the Washington football team, and having to change their name, well, that the name changing has taken it to another level this week. As Squaw Valley Resort, which hosted the 1960 Olympic Games, which if you wear Varnay's, you know that's where Juan Varnay first debuted his glasses when he won the gold medal. You know, sunglasses, which I've been wearing since the late 70s. Best sunglasses ever! <laughs> anyway, they are going to change their name. Not sure what it's going to be yet. But they feel that the current one, as has been pointed out by many Native American groups, is derogatory to women. So Squaw Valley Resort is no longer to be known that. I'd be curious to see what kind of name they come up with. 
It's what's happening, folks. I just think that you want to get, if it's associated with a group of people, a name, you're probably going to go at some point, just given the way things are changing in our society. Probably for the better. Some may argue with that. But the fact is that you're seeing it happen <coughs> with Washington, a squaw volley. Squaw, Squaw Valley, excuse me, got a little frog in my throat. But yeah, the times are definitely changing. All right, so since I missed the questions last week, we're going to throw a bonus one in there and do three. So the first one is from Gareth S. and Eugene. And he wants to say, ask me, Ken, what is the most impressive individual athletic feat you've seen in your opinion? Well, not necessarily seen, I think, but that, that, that I've lived through. You know, I thought about this for a while. I mean, there's so many things you could bring up. But I guess being a former cross-country track and field runner, I'm going to have to say Usain Bolt's 1919 200-meter world record in Berlin in 2009 is probably the most impressive individual feat. I mean, think about that. I mean, 1919, basically, what is that? Uh, you know, basically turning a 9-1 twice for 100 meters. And if you know track and field, you know, 9-1 isn't Whistling Dixie, okay? And so to do that back-to-back, -back, for me, that's probably the most impressive individual feat. I mean, you know, if you've got a different one, I'd love to hear what you, what, what you all think. And we'll talk about it on the show as one of our topics. Okay, so what else do we have here? Well, from Nick in San Francisco, good friend of mine, I asked him to um, send me a question, you know, and he texted me this. He wants to know, in your opinion, what was the most shocking upset in, in your time watching sports? Well, you know, I thought about that long and hard, too. I mean, obviously, you've got, you know, the Jets upsetting the Colts and Villanova beating that great Georgetown team. But I think, and few would argue this, given how dominant this man was in, in the mid 80s we get to 1990 and we're in tokyo and mr buster douglas who you know for all i know could be a bouncer in some club right at the time knocking out mike iron mike tyson in, in the tokyo dome in 1990 by far what was it like a 42 to 1 underdog buster douglas was yeah for me that's probably got to be the most shocking upset in my time okay bonus question from Kaylee and Eugene, who I bumped into when I was out having a few cervezas, she asked me what was my favorite football movie. Man, that's a real tough one. You know, everybody's got their opinions. You know, right? The, the Titans and Rudy. None of my favorites. For me, I'm going to have to go 1A and 1B. 1A, North Dallas 40. Great book. And even for its time, I think it's a fantastic movie in terms of uh, the grittiness and some of the hypocrisy involved. I thought Oliver Stone is 1B in any given Sunday was fantastic as well. Thought there was a, you know, a certain degree of realism there. I give those two movies like 1A and 1B with, you know... Uh, a cl right, honorable mention. I don't even think I think it's kind of uh, disrespectful, but I think the original Longest Yard. I've never seen the remake. Don't care to, but uh, Burt Reynolds and the legendary Eddie Albert, the Longest Yard. I'd put there as a one C. It's my when it comes to my favorite football movies, and I would also throw in even though it wasn't a movie, it was more. It was a series that only lasted one year. But I thought ESPN's Playmakers was absolutely ridiculous, and it's not shocking that the NFL put the kibosh on that because. 
talk about keeping it way too real. But yeah, I, I put playmakers in there as well. All right, folks, that was another pack segment. You know, we're really rolling along here as always. Amazing that we can have so much to talk about, but we'll be back here shortly. Well, well, well. Let's see here. It's that. Well, we didn't want to do that. I guess you're supposed to like stop the theme song before queuing up something else. Alrighty, we are at that time of the week, and you know I always really hope for that this report's going to get shorter and shorter. As you can see with college, I think that segment was about 18 or 19 minutes long. When it comes to COVID, it ain't going away. And so, of course, it brings us to our weekly segment. The COVID Chronicles. So what is going on? With professional sports regarding COVID. We know what's going on in college. I spent, like I said, we spent 18 minutes talking about that. Well, the COVID report this week, it's not getting shorter, but it's not getting long. It's, I think we can do it in a little bit shorter time than the college one, but nonetheless, it's longer than it was last week as far as the number of bullet points that I can pull from what's happening in professional sports. On a positive note, I can tell you that for the second week in a row, there were no positive tests in the NFL. Mind you, this is not a bubble situation, but the NFL seems to have it really under control. Kudos to them for doing a good job as far as being able to prevent outbreaks from happening in that sport. Props to them. And speaking of the NFL, we know that on Sunday there were 20,000 people at AT&T Stadium for the Dallas-Atlanta game. There were like 6,000 in Cleveland, 3,000 in Indy, and there were fans in Miami. And there were like, I think, 500 people, I think, at uh, the Denver game. So we've got fans in the stands, and like I was saying with college, it's going to be curious to see if we can trace any outbreaks that may happen in the ensuing weeks because you know we're obviously getting numbers back from the labor day weekend that are kind of disturbing as far as people traveling and getting together and doing whatever it is but you know when people travel and, and mix with one another trouble happens as far as COVID's concerned at least you know and also yeah the nfl really came down hard on the coaches as they find coaches pete carroll kyle shanahan kyle shanahan one of my favorite families and Vic Fangio, 100K each for not wearing masks during their games. And the teams were also fined $250,000, bringing the total of fines to slightly over a million. And I saw some debates on TV, you know, with the talking heads as far as did the NFL go too far. I don't think so. They're doing a very good job in setting an example, especially, obviously, as I just mentioned, the success that they are having at least so far after two weeks. And so in order to keep the message to the players that they that it's going to take everyone and it's going to require discipline, I think the NFL is sending a very strong and positive message by finding these clubs and their coaches for violating that protocol. It's that simple. And then also with the, just this COVID, the reach of COVID, I guess that Dan and Tanya Snyder, 
of my Washington football team missed their first game in 15 years because they were quarantined because they came in contact with somebody. They haven't tested positive, but just to be safe, they decided to quarantine and they missed their first Washington football team game in 15 years. Uh, as far as the beautiful game goes, we know that Manchester City's okay, Gundigan, or I always pronounce his name wrong, he tested positive for, 19, for COVID-19 and he's in isolation. The Spurs match with Leighton Orient was postponed after positive cases were detected with the League Two club that they were facing. Let's see here. What else do we have as far as COVID goes? Well, MLS released Phase 3 of its restart schedule, and even though there is a little more distance, they're still keeping with keeping the teams in the same region to cut down on the spread of outbreaks. As we know, as I've talked about, unlike the MLS is back, this is not a bubble situation as well. So sort of trying to keep things, you know, confined to you know particular regions is their way. And let's face it, it must be working because we haven't really had a lot of reports of COVID cases with MLS teams since the MLS's back tournament started. You know, that was like early in July. So they're doing a good job over there. We also can tell you that the Seattle-Minnesota WNBA postseason game was postponed over some inconclusive tests. But just for precautionary, that was moved back to tonight because I think the game was supposed to be played on Sunday or Saturday. Well, all right then. So let's jump to see. It wasn't that bad as far as the COVID report. Some things going on, but in general, no major outbreaks. So let's go to the NFL roundup real quick before we do our week two recaps. And so let's see here. Sunday was very brutal as far as whether you play fantasy, whether you're a hard fan, or just, like I said, you have compassion for the risk these guys take. And, you know, obviously, no preseason games, limited contact as far as training camp goes. We saw a slew of very disturbing injuries. I mean, Shaquem Barkley, Bosa in San Francisco, McCaffrey in, in uh, Charlotte, Jimmy G, Cortland Sutton, Drew Locke from Denver were all injured on, on Sunday. In fact, Barkley, Bosa, and Sutton are going to be out for the rest of the season. With, with with ACL, two of them have ACL injuries. One has a torn pectoral. And then we know Jimmy G has a high ankle sprain. Where they think he might be able to play it, but you know high ankle sprains. I doubt he will be there. Drew Locke's going to be out for about six weeks. McCaffrey's going to be out four to six weeks. And there were some other people. But the point being is a lot of injuries. And you know, my next point here that my man, Kyle Shanahan, of course, blames the turf at MetLife Stadium. And he's really concerned because they're going to have to play there again this week as they face the Giants. Of course, the new turf there has been tested 20 separate times by various people and found to be okay. And given the injuries that happened throughout the league, sorry, you won the game. And I know that they lost quite a few players, more than I listed you know, the players I named. I think, what do they have, like five or six guys go down? So I understand Kyle's bitterness, but I don't necessarily believe it's the uh, turf at MetLife Stadium, even though they filed agreements in the NFL, and the NFL promises to look into it. I just think, you know, no preseason, lack of contact and training camp. It's just these things were bound to happen, and it's rather really unfortunate. 
And in fact, the Giants, who did lose Barkley for the rest of the season, they're gonna they signed uh, former Atlanta standout running back Devonta Freeman to replace him. So. Good luck with that, even though, you know, being a Washington football team fan, you know, I don't really want success for the Giants. But I'm glad that uh, Mr. Freeman is getting another shot. He's quality back. He's probably going to do well for them. Probably going to go off against the Washington football team now that I've mentioned it. So what was the real big story? Obviously, it was last night. Viva Las Vegas. The Los Angeles, Los Angeles, oh my goodness. The Las Vegas Raiders debuted in the Death Star Stadium last night. Very impressive, and I'll get to that in a moment. But Vegas and the NFL, a marriage I say should have happened 30 years ago. It's, it's finally here, and I thought it was impressive. It was really sad that there were no fans there because I think they would, it would have been a party to end all parties. But I'm very excited. We're going to have Alec Ford on our next episode to tell us really about the vibe in Las Vegas right now, now that they have an NFL team. Really exciting stuff. Good to see John Gruden, you know, reclaim uh, some stature after he lost face. You know, obviously getting rid of Amari Cooper and Camille, uh, Khalil Mack, excuse me. Right, the group, the, the, and you know, they weren't that good. But now they're looking pretty good. And I think and Vegas, really prime. I kind of saw this coming. I think it's a very good thing. And also, quietly, even though because the Rams had opened SoFi Stadium up at the Cowboys, a little fanfare, the Chargers version of SoFi Stadium debuted as well. And we have our first controversy that emanates out of that, as we know that Gerard Taylor had suffered chest pains pregame, and our local hero here, Justin Herbert, got the start and was very impressive. And so the question is, if Taylor is ready to play on Sunday, do you go with Taylor, as Coach Anthony Lynn is saying, or do you did you see enough from Justin Herbert to say that maybe it's time just to give the keys to him? We know that Taylor's been here before with Baker Mayfield in Cleveland. But what I saw and what I kind of thought, and as my friend Alec Ford, who will be a guest, said we kind of felt that Arroyo and Mario Cristobal and uh, Mark Helfridge, or not Mark, I mean Willie, Willie Taggart, these guys basically kind of um, held Herbert back as far as, you know, really limiting the offense after he got hurt early. And I think you, we got kind of a quick whiff, only one game, but I really liked what I saw. You know, let you Oregon fans out here who listen to the show, you know, give, uh, send me an email or send me, or send me a text and give me your thoughts as far as how do you feel about this upcoming quarterback controversy with Taylor and our hero, Justin Herbert, or Herbie, as his fans on Twitter like to call him. You know, really good job. It was a fantastic game. And so, in other quarterback controversies, <coughs> excuse me. Ah, oh, geez, allergies are really killing me. So, as I mentioned, that Drew Locke was injured in, in Denver's loss to Pittsburgh. Well, in order to, to give some uh, reinforcement, Blake Bortles was signed by Denver. And of course, this led to first takes Max Kellerman going on a rant about why Denver was ignorant for not considering Colin Kaepernick as opposed to bringing Bortles, who, by the way, almost brought his team to a Super Bowl. 
I know Kaepernick took his team to a Super Bowl, and, you know, I'm trying to avoid getting into, you know, what my thoughts are, Kaepernick, because they really don't matter. What does matter is this. It's pretty rare for a quarterback that's been away from the game for four years for a team to be interested. Uh, the guy's politics and his militants, his militant stance, he's toxic. Not saying that, you know, what's happened to him isn't unjust, but knowing the NFL the way that I do, teams are just going to stay away from him. You know, he had an opportunity with his tryout. He put a little grandstanding on it. I think that rubbed people the wrong way. I think they're willing, and it, enough time has passed. I mean, I'm trying to think. It doesn't happen when quarterbacks have been away from the game that long. I know we did that with Josh Johnson in Washington, but that was just a matter of desperation. You know, and there was, obviously there was no way Cap was going to play for the at the time the Redskins, as they were called. So I don't know. I mean, I, 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 it, it, it's at this point. I think with people like the Max Kellermans of the world, you know what? Just have you know yourself some urban mate and you know go sit and just chill and chill out. It's not going to happen. The guy's not going to get signed up. It hasn't happened now. Yes, it's blackball. It's probably an injustice, but this is the way. This is reality. And four years away from the game, I just I don't think the phone's going to ring for him. And it's okay. He's making lots of money in Nike. He's going to go down, you know, as a as a civil rights crusader, and and he's got his place in history. So if he doesn't take another snap in the NFL, it's not the end of the world. You know, another one of these questions is going to come up. Well, maybe, you know, maybe I'll bring that up at the end of the recaps. Let me get to this one. Let's see who got paid last week. Well, we know that Robert Woods inked a $65 million extension. It was COVID dollars. And uh, New Orleans also signed DeMario Davis to a three-year $27 million extension. Those COVID dollars, man. Like I say, every week, families, special someones, Everybody, homies and entourages, everybody's sitting there like, when do we go to the club and make it rain? Considering some of the big dollars that these guys are signing for or re-upping for. Good for them. Might as well get paid because you know these owners and the networks and everybody else's players got to get paid too. After all, they are the show. So what happened on the field in week two? Well, Thursday night, we started out with Cleveland and Cincinnati, and I thought was a pretty good draw between two young quarterbacks, Baker Mayfield and uh, Joe Burrow. Baker, finally, after doubts were starting to starting to be raised about is he a bust, showed up in this interstate rivalry. I thought Joe Burrow, rookie throwing 61 passes, did very well in a 35-30 loss. I think that uh, things are looking well for both. I know they've got some tough matchups this week. Hope they can keep the momentum going for their sake. Talk about my Washington football team after coming off of a very shocking win at home against Philadelphia. Well, reality set in as they face Kyler Murray. And Kyler Murray, from what I can see, dude's bad. Bad, bad, bad man. You know, and I mean bad in a good way. I mean a bad bamba jamma. Yeah, he did it with his arm, did it with his legs. Dwayne Haskins, you know, who uh, probably should have probably right. People were thinking that Dwayne might be better than Murray. I'm not seeing it. Uh, I thought that Dwayne kind of regressed, that the turnover that he had in the red zone was bad. Also, I've kind of felt he just didn't look comfortable out there, but I know we had some line problems in Brandon Schrift, who I didn't mention. He's he's going to be gone for a couple of weeks. But still, if they're not running an up-tempo 
hurry up offense. It seems that he's holding on to the ball too long and, you know, it's just, just not seeing it fast enough. 30 to 15, not a good, not a good look for the Washington football team. Probably closer to reality than the shocking win against Philadelphia. And San Francisco and New York, game like I just talked about with all the uh, players, you know, mainly Bosa, you know, right? Big loss for them. I mean, they didn't miss a beat because the Jets are just absolutely terrible. I think Adam Gaze is on the hot seat. Not looking good there. Sam Darnold's regressing. And even though the 49ers were losing bodies left and right, it just was no contest. Just was a joke. Chicago and New York, where Barkley got hurt, as we mentioned. Uh, Daniel Jones, valiant effort, comes up short. Chicago's 2-0. Mitch Shabritsky is like sitting there smiling. We'll see how long that lasts. Uh, Rams gave Philadelphia a second loss, and now there are questions being raised about Carson Wentz. As I was just watching on, well, I don't know, was it Around the Horn? or It may have been. No, it was actually uh, you know, Kornheiser and Wilbon's show, and they brought up the fact that there's this tendency with Carson Wentz for everyone to talk about how great he is. People in the business, people you know, people in the media, and it's like, wait a minute, Foles won the Super Bowl. This guy's always hurt, and quite frankly, yeah, he's got the tools and he's got some elusiveness, but he really hasn't looked like an elite quarterback at least in the first two weeks of the season. I know it's early, but uh, Jalen Hurts is sitting in the wings and. Now, there's a lot of people, you know, the city, the city, city of, of brotherly love or not love. You know, those fans are like saying, hmm, what about Hurts over there? Maybe we need to give him a shot. I don't know. And we talked about Pittsburgh and Denver, which Cortland Sutton and Drew Lockhart, I mean, uh, receiver is going to be out for the season. So Lock's going to be out, what, four to six weeks. Vic Fangio probably finds himself on the hot seat now being at 0-2, especially with some of his questionable coaching decisions. You know, obviously in week one, sure, if it gets to be 0-4-5, or 0-4 or 0-5, I mean to say, he might find himself out quickly like the last guy that held that seat. Elway hasn't been really patient with the head coaches there, so I wouldn't be surprised if Vic's on his way out. Detroit, going to Detroit. They're 0-2 once again. I mean, Aaron Rodgers looking good. Not to say that's a shock, but I think there's another coach on the hot seat. You had to look at Matt Patricia, and somebody just said on TV a few minutes ago, his butt might be back on his way back to New England, where he probably belongs at this point. I'm not sure what Detroit needs to do to get somebody that has the winning formula, but at 0-2, it's looking like it might be another tough year for the folks in the Motor City. Oh, yeah. The game of the week, probably. Those Atlanta Falcons. Um, yeah, I, you know, I don't even know what to say about this. 20 to 0, 29 to 10, 39 24 with like four or five minutes left. And somehow, the, right, the, the onside kick, which is pretty much impossible, somehow they managed the botch. And so going back to their 28 to 3 blown lead in the Super Bowl against New England. Yeah, Dan Quinn, you're at it again. You might be on the hot seat. If I knew if it was Arthur Blank, I would sure be contemplating it after that. It's just, I mean, they've given up, what, 78 points in two games. Not a good situation in Atlanta as they go to 0-2. Tom Brady, 
Tom Brady got back to his winning ways. I don't necessarily that he was impressive. But if you listen to Skip Bayless, it was the best four quarters a quarterback ever played. They got the job done against uh, Carolina, which we kind of expected. Miami and Buffalo, the emergence of Josh Allen over last season into this season continues. They're 2-0, looking good as far as knocking New England off the throne. Minnesota and Indy. My man, Kirk Cousins. You like that? Number eight in everyone's heart that doesn't like him? Yeah, that guy. He had another dreadful performance. And mind you, he's like making $40 million a year. And uh, he looked like Josh Johnson. And I know if you folks who follow Washington know who Josh Johnson or Tampa Bay he looked more like Josh Johnson and should be getting paid on a Josh Johnson scale. I think Josh Johnson was last seen in, what was it, the XFO or that other league that lasted like five minutes. Anyways, Kirk Cousins looked like that, but he sure ain't getting paid that way. He has a tendency to bounce back, but I think if you're a Minnesota fan, you know, Skull and all that stuff, you're feeling shortchanged right now, and you're probably, you know... The Washington Redskins fans, or Washington football team, excuse me, they're sitting there eating their caramel corn laughing like, well, now you know what we went through during his tenure in the nation's capital. <laughs> so in another, I guess, game of the week, one, it was 1A and there's 1B. And 1B obviously has to be Seattle and New England. Uh, fantastic game. You know, as they met in the Super Bowl, and we all know what happened there, came down to the wire again. With Cam Newton, who's looking fantastic after two games, had a chance to win the game at the end. The hoodie went with a running play. Seattle's vaunted defense stuffed him with the goal line, and the Seahawks came away with a hard-fought win. Russell Wilson still looking fantastic. A lot of people are touting him as an early MVP candidate. Uh, yeah, so they look poised to make a deep run, especially, and they're going to have some competition, obviously, with San Francisco, and this Arizona is no joke, but right now, I think, I mean, Seattle, they seem to be the class of the NFC early in the early going. As I mentioned, the Kansas City-LA Chargers game at SoFi went to overtime. San Diego, I thought, played better for most of the game, but as my homeboy is going to do, my homeboy gets it done somehow. Nice 58-yard field goal to win the game in overtime. Not sure. I think Anthony Lynn probably should have went for it on that fourth and one in his own territory, not to give Mahomes a shot. You know, coach's decision there. Not sure what's the best one, but, you know, I, you, you play the percentages against Mahomes. Just not probably a wise idea. The Chiefs go to 2-0. and But it was a close scare, and like I was saying a minute ago, you gotta wonder, is it as as the Justin Herbert era, is it time to start now or are we gonna have to wait a few weeks? Because it's going to happen based on the way that kid looked on Sunday. Houston and Baltimore. Eh, Baltimore, who's you know, quietly kick kicking butt, taking names, saying all this talk about Kansas City. Right, they're the team that looks scary because they have it going on both ends. As Dave Williams was talking about on our NFL preview, they looked very good. And then, of course, last night we have to talk about that Las Vegas. I mean, it's crazy because you know I remember like yeah, I think I've told you on the show before. I lived in Las Vegas. I went to UNLV for a couple of years. You know, the 
Silver Bowl is way out. You know, might as well be out in Arizona or Southern Utah. It's so far out of the city and such a pain in the butt to get to. The games were played there. But now you have this beautiful stadium off the off the strip. Remember how you couldn't bet? You were so scared of gambling. And remember when the All Star Game was there and how it was all the security risk. My, how quickly things have changed to where we are accepting and we have a hockey team and now an NFL team. So excited about that. And the Raiders, you know, after obviously having a very rough season, they are 2-0. and And they were very impressive last night as far as fighting with New Orleans and then coming back and scoring, what was it, 27 unanswered points, I believe it was, and just taking the W. Not sure if the Raiders are, are, are going to... Uh, take Kansas City, but I tell you what, if they can get through this rough stretch of games they have in the first eight, who who, who knows? I The Raiders definitely look, look like they could be a playoff team. Kudos to uh, David Carr for the rough road that he's had over the couple of years. I know a lot of folks kind of felt that Chucky was doing anything in his power to get rid of him. That was one of the reasons why he brought Mariota over to Las Vegas. They, after two games... You know, that tight end they've got, man, Waller, Baller, Jacobs, the workhorse in the backfield. Uh, don't sleep on this Raider team. Looking very good. All right, before I go to a break, what I was going to bring up in the NFL segment, but, you know, because of the Saints, and next they've won and won, they're going to be fine. But Drew Brees looked old. And, that, you know, and there's a lot of talk, radio, you know, the morning shows, and even on SportsCenter and all that stuff about are Brady and Breeze washed up? Well, they're old. Will I bet against either one of them? Ah, Breeze maybe, you know, because he hasn't really delivered the big game. Well, I mean, they've gotten to the playoffs and they've won big games, but you know what I'm talking about. And I'm not going to bet against Brady, but, uh, you know, that... Steinway piano that hops on your back when you start getting older. As you know, they say, time is undefeated when it comes to athletes. You're definitely seeing that with Brady and Breeze. I mean, there were times last night when I thought, well, okay, you know, Drew, your credibility has earned you the right to walk away from the game. But, you know, kind of made me think about Peyton Manning in his last year in Denver when he was just managing the game. It just, it was not the, the, the way we wanted to see Peyton go out. And I'm getting the feeling we're watching him repeat. The same thing with like Brett Favre. His that last year, he struggled in Minnesota after lighting it up, you know, his first year after that stint he did with the New York Jets. Um, you know, Brady, I mean, I think Brady's been looking old for four or five years, but the dude is so smart. Uh, gets rid of the ball quickly, and I mean, he's you know he's the goat. Even though I think Montana really is, but six rings, nine appearances. Who am I to argue? And I, you know, even if he looks a little bit faded, I have no way in hell I'm gonna say he's washed. All right, folks. Well, you know, we're like blazing through this. We're gonna get to our last segment here in a moment. Alrighty, back for one more punch or two, or three or four, depending on how this all goes. Kind of just sitting here watching 
in the background. The Yankees in Toronto go at it, and, the, and uh, which is a perfect segue into our next uh, se- uh, um, segment. You know, our weekly look at what's going on on the diamond. So the MLB report. Well, we see that this past week it was because we're getting it's a twenty twenty season is coming to a conclusion. Playoffs start on the 29th. That uh, teams clinched with Oakland uh, winning its division and also Minnesota clinching a playoff spot along with the Dodgers, Chicago White Sox, the aforementioned Yankees, and the surprising San Diego Padres. Congratulations. Looking forward to all of these teams. And in fact, starting tonight, the A's and Dodgers begin a three-game series that could ultimately be a World Series preview. Really looking forward to seeing both teams that are leading the pack in the West square off. I think it's for my Dodgers. Definitely want to see them get get a little battle test of who they might face. But of course, that would mean they'd have to be able to get out of the NL. And we know that this if they win the division, it's going to be, what, their eighth straight or something like that. No rings, no champagne to show for it. Really frustrating. But at the same time, they have been good. But then again, when you have that Guggenheim money, you better be good. But I think that uh, Dodger fans are getting tired of being the butt of postseason jokes. And, of course, they're... Friendly rivals, or not so friendly rivals, to the north in San Francisco, laughing their asses off every time the Dodgers get knocked out. I'm hoping Mookie is the difference, but like I said, tune into this A's Dodger series over the next three nights. Might give us an idea of what to expect when it's World Series time. MLB also has, has come out and said that the higher-seeded team Reaching the World Series will have the last at bats in, in games one and two, and if needed, in game six and seven. And it won't be the team with the best record. You know, obviously, with the games being in the bubble, that's kind of a big deal as far as determining who's the home team. Because so obviously, when you say he was going to bat last, and I like that you're going to do it by seeding as opposed to who might be winning the division and stuff like that. I think it's a good thing to bring, bring a little more drama. Better storyline, something like that. Um, let's see here. What else happened uh, around the diamond? Well, I can tell you, we'll talk about the Yankees one more time, that they hit a eye-opening 19 home runs in a three-game span last week. I'd be talking about the do, talking about the Dodgers and the A's. Keep an eye on them with uh, the amount of power that they're getting. You know, obviously, better save some of those home runs for when it matters, but I'm keeping an eye on the Yankees. You saw that Albert Pujols hit his 661 and 662nd home runs to pass to say, hey, kid, congratulations, Albert. It's been a fantastic career for you. We also know that Cole Hamels is done for the year after one start. Gave it a go. Not happening. His short stint in Atlanta is probably done. And who knows what that means for his career. We also know that Justin Verlander announced he will undergo Tommy John surgery. As you know, he's been troubled in 2020 with, obviously, you know, that problem that he's going to have to get fixed through surgery. Even though he plays for the Astros, we're wishing Mr. Verlander, you know, the best as he rehabs and does the work necessary to get back on the, on the mound. Um, and a very positive thing, 
to report out of baseball that it was announced that MLB and the MLBPA are going to commit $10 million to increasing African-American participation in the sport, as you probably have heard in various, Ben and I talked about it, and it's been a common theme about how, when I was growing up, you know, that there was quite a few African-American stars, and that has really um, decreased in the years as we've gone, as these kids gravitated to football, basketball, and just, you know, the, the, the academy system has sort of kind of forgotten about the kids in the city, and I'm glad to see that uh, baseball is going to commit $10 million. Hope it goes the right way and that we do get more people of, kids of color, I should say, not just African-Americans, interested in playing the game. Keep the, It's a beautiful thing. Baseball is going strong, and so glad to see that they're making that commitment. And lastly, as far as what's going on in the Diamond, you know, the Red Sox, who I was talking about, a woeful season they had. Well, once again, the Yankees, who keep cropping up in this. The Red Sox ended uh, a losing streak against the Yankees that was 12 games long. And to show you how significant this was, this has only been matched in 1936 and over a span of the 52 and 53 seasons. I mean, you know how tight the, that rivalry has been as far as Boston and the Yankees going, you know, pretty much their whole life. And for to see the Yankees win 12 straight and the Red Sox having such a bad season, pretty crazy stuff. You know, all the people in the Red Sox hater brigade, which I consider myself to be part of, I'm not necessarily share, shedding a tear over the demise of Boston, especially since I felt they probably cheated when they beat the Dodgers in the World Series. You know, me drinking that drinking that wine from those sour grapes. All right, let's go to the NBA playoff report. And I'm getting this episode in right before the Lakers and Nuggets go to game three. And so, yeah, if that information's not there and you get to a podcast, it's because I'm doing it right before the game. So what's going on over here? in the NBA, as far as the playoff report is concerned. Well, Miami won up 2-0, you know, as, as, as Boston collapsed in the second half of Game 2. Big meltdown in the locker room that could be heard outside, you know, from the media and things like that. I guess the players got really mean and nasty with one another. Well, it must have paid dividends because Boston fought back to make the series 2-1 in spite of Bam Ababa... <laughs> can't even say his name, but Bam Abadio and uh, Jimmy Butler, who are just balling for Miami because they want to catch up with things. That series isn't going to resume till tomorrow, which is kind of irritating. It should have been uh, either tonight or even last night for that matter. But uh, anyway, Boston Trails 2-1. I predict that series is going to go to distance. It's going to be some great basketball. You have to stay tuned. So that takes us to the Lakers and the Nuggets. Obviously, people think this is going to be a cakewalk. It's not going to be a cakewalk. Even though the Lakers take, took one, game one, but AD brought us a game and created matchup problems that drove Denver crazy, only to have Denver fight back and actually have the Lakers on the ropes until Anthony Davis hit a, a spectacular three at the buzzer to give the Lakers a spectacular win. Lakers really escaped. AD bailed them out. They probably deserved to lose that game because they kind of lollygagged. They're the better team. 
But this Denver team has a lot of heart. And it would behoove the Lakers to take care of business and not let this Nuggets team back in the series. They're not going to beat the Lakers in this series. I'm pretty sure of that. But however, this Nuggets team with, with Jokic and Jamal Murray and their supporting cast, they can give the Lakers fits and make this series a lot longer than it needs to be. And let's face it, LeBron could use the rest. Because LeBron, I don't know what happened to him. Had a strong first half, but became, you know, Claude Rains, the Invisible Man, for the old school folks who know that movie. Totally, totally disappeared. And I mean, he just had no money going down the stretch. I don't expect LeBron to have two back-to-back bad games in the playoffs. In fact, I think he's going to go off for 30 or 40 tonight. But something to keep an eye on, because he definitely wilted in the game two. Really, it's on the Lakers to, to, to like drive the nail home and go up 3-0 tonight. And who knows? I might even have a bonus segment if I don't get this podcast out. I doubt it, but you never know. Speaking of LBJ, Bronny, Bron, 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 he was very angry after only getting 16 out of a possible 101 votes for MVP. As you know, the Greek freak Giannis won it. I don't think, <laughs> I mean, I think LeBron's got a point. Uh, if you think about what he's done as far as bringing the Lakers back to prominence, which is an incredible story. I mean, hate them or love them. The party's always better when the Lakers are there because either you like them or you hate them and somehow you get sucked into watching. And so, and turning this Laker team, which was a bunch of sad sacks over the last half decade, into a very formidable possible champion, I have to feel that uh, 16 votes is very disrespectful. I think he should have won the darn thing, and I don't blame him, and I'm hoping that this translates into angry LeBron. However, as I just pointed out, angry LeBron in the second half of the of game two, well, that's not what I want to see. Like I said, I want to see superhero stuff. You know, show us, show the world how you've been dissed, Mr. James. We'll be keeping an eye on that as this series rolls on tonight and Thursday. And of course, without a little controversy going on in the week, and I thought this was pretty funny, given all of the social justice messaging, the players walking away, ESPN's Rachel Nichols, host of The Jump, one of those shows that the woke leader was always putting in our face, she's very critical of the NBA for not honoring Ruth Bader Ginsburg, as you know, the Supreme Court justice passed away over the weekend. And uh, she took the lead to task. You know, I don't really know how I feel about this. I get where she's coming from, but it's sort of like, wow, these guys have been taking enough stances and things like that in the league. I mean, what, I mean, come on, Rachel. I get where you're coming from, but to sort of come out there, it's the reason why people call... ESPN, the woke sports, sports leader. I mean, I think it's kind of a... I don't know. <laughs> right? Like I said, I get where she's coming from, but, uh, you know, I don't think that the league or the players should be chastised. I mean, I, I mean uh, RBG got plenty of love from all over, even on both sides of the aisle, even after the Republicans are trying to force another, uh, you know, nominee through before the election. You don't get political here, just mind. So, but point being is, is that, yeah, I just think like 
Come on, Rachel, give it a rest. I mean, you know, with all the other controversies going on with Maria Taylor and her and Katie Nolan and and uh, our, our our man at Outkick.com, <laughs> you know, Mr. Whitlock taking them to task. Yeah, yeah, just one more story, you know, more talking points. So, anyways, enough of that. So, what can we tell you else in, in the NBA? Well, as I mentioned before, that uh, Billy Donovan is going to get the Chicago job. Going to be curious, given Steve Nash. I mean, I think with Billy, with with, uh, with Billy's Billy D's case, it's going to be harder to argue, given the job that he did with the Oklahoma City Thunder. But you still have to wonder, in terms of Chicago, not choosing an African American candidate. Then I wonder if the outcry will be the same. They'll be curious to see the talk shows tomorrow and, you know, social media and see how that goes. But, hey, the guys, you know, he did a, a very good job. I was really surprised that Oklahoma City, you know, Sam Presti and company parted ways with him. But not surprised that uh, he landed on his feet really quickly with Chicago. I think Chicago made a good choice there. But it is probably going to light up sports talk tomorrow. One would think. And, okay, we also know that Adam Silver told the media today that the upcoming season is probably going to start in 2021. And his, his emphasis is that you know, that's his best guess. You know, he wants, you know, to play a standard season. He wants to play 82 games in front of fans, and he figures that if we push us into 2021, maybe we'll have COVID under control. Ha, 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 ha. I don't even need a lapping track for that one. If you think COVID's going to be in control and we're going to have fans in indoor venues sometime in 2021, especially early, that ain't happening, Mr. Silver. Not happening. I mean, hey, I hope he's right because I think that we'd be able to get our groove on and all that other kind of stuff. That would be some great progress. But what I'm seeing on the ground right now, you know, he's probably, you know, smoking a pipe of, you know, some of that fine Northern California green or something like that, because he's high if he thinks that's going to come come true. Whew. Anyway, so you know, I'll just throw in this, you know, that, that I told you about that Minnesota-Connecticut game being called off, right, because of COVID. That's going to resume tonight. And then you have the Las Vegas Aces who are looking to rebound. They're playing Connecticut after a lackluster effort in game one of their playoff series. And I got to get the WNBA and give them a little love. And so that, you know, so the, that's going on as far as the conference, you know, finals. We'll be talking about the finals when we get to that. Alrighty. Well, that was a crazy bit of show. Yeah, I'm surprised we've almost got 90 minutes here. So that brings us to our favorite time of the week, and it's TMA time. You know what TMA time is? It's the Turd McCory Award. And the Turd McCory, you know, who was named after a special somebody who I'd like to deliver them that stainless steel bowl full of turds. But this week, it has to go to the Atlanta Falcons. Right, the same Atlanta Falcons who've been, you know, the butt the butt end of so many memes and jokes, twenty eight to three with the Super Bowl. Well, they did it again. And they did it against America's most hated team. Not America's team, but America's most hated team. Yes, Skip Bayless's Dallas Cowboys. How about them Cowboys? Well, how about them Falcons? I mean that 
Right, that, that onside kick where these guys are sitting there watching it, watching the ball spin and roll, and Dallas is able to scoop it up. But you know, the onside kick is really almost impossible with it, with, with the rules changes. And somehow for the Cowboys to come away with that win, and Atlanta shockingly in another high-profile game having a big lead and ending up with poop on their faces. Well, gee whiz, they get the turd Bacoria week. Not even close. Didn't even have to think one second about it. You know, if I was Arthur Blake, you know, I would really be contemplating um, cleaning cleaning some house. But they've got some talent over there, and they can put some points up. So we'll see about what Mighty Ice can do. But at 0-2, things are not looking good in the ATL. Well, all right, folks. We're at the halfway point of Season 1. It's been a fun ride thus far. We're going to keep it going. A lot of good stuff, except we're going to probably have Alec on the show. Always fun talking to him. I'm sure he's got some great insights. Hope to have some more guests. Like I said, if you want to come on the show and talk, I'm definitely more than willing to accommodate you. We'll work it out. You know, send me a text, contact me over Facebook, whatever the case may be. F-T-I-N-F-X at gmail.com. Still trying to get the other podcast rolled out, but, you know, with the smoke and everything else being the 2020 kind of thing. A little bit slow. No rush, because we're having so much fun doing this. And, uh, you know, the momentum keeps building. A lot going on. Be really curious to see what happens tonight with the Lakers and the Nuggets. Stanley Cup. MLB's wrapping up. You know, soccer's starting to warm up. A lot of good stuff that we'll be talking about in the weeks to come. And obviously, we'll start, we're going to start having some real college football matchups. All right, folks, as always... Be safe out there, wear your mask, do your sanitation, socially distance, don't be stupid because we want to be able to go to our games, go to our concerts, get our swerve on, all those things that make us happy or, you know, get back to what we call a normal as opposed to what people are thinking is the new normal. Anyways, be safe out there and we'll see you in a week.